Welcome to another episode of Writers Talking TV, brought to you by the Writers Guild of Canada. I'm James Hurst. I'm a screenwriter and creative producer on drama series like Slasher, Winona Earp, Flashpoint, and Being Erica. Today I'll be speaking with Jane Maggs, the co-creator and co-showrunner of Bellevue, a mystery set in a small Canadian town. It stars Anna Paquin as Annie Ryder, a cop whose personality has always been at odds with her hometown. It's also about revenge, religion, death, and hockey and also the promise of transformation, among other things. Here's my conversation with Jane Maggs about Bellevue, recorded in front of a live studio audience at Tiff Bell Lightbox in Toronto, Canada. So, uh, let's talk about you. Okay. Uh, did you always know you want to work in television? Can you no. talk a bit about your background? Sure, yeah. Um, no, def- no. I um, And I do now. I love it. But I didn't... I don't think I really did, probably until I wrote Bellevue, actually. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, what is the... Uh, so let's talk a little bit about yeah. how you uh, how you came up uh, with Bellevue. I guess we should start with uh, talking about uh, what brought you and your co-creator, Adrian Mitchell, who I think I saw here earlier. There she is. Uh, what brought you and your co-creator, Adrian Mitchell, together to work on Bellevue? Yeah. Um, well, it all... It, um, I went to the Canadian Film Center for uh, film writing, and um, and a friend of mine there started to work with um, ba- uh, Adrian Mitchell and Janice Lundeman at Back Alley, and her name is Sandra Pellucci, and um, she got in touch with me one time after the film center and said that Adrian was looking for a, um, she was kind of looking for feature ideas at that time, and that's mostly what I had been focusing on, so I went to, and, and, but sort of simultaneously, I had this idea for this series that I wanted to work on. And um, totally coincidentally, because I like to watch um, a series sort of in a tone while mm-hmm. I'm working on something, because I find it very sort of gets my brain sort of into the right mood. And I was watching Durham County at this time, and um, which is obviously a, an Adrian Mitchell mm-hmm. production. And... Um, and so, like, I don't think I even realized, like, I was watching it, and Sandra emailed, and she's like, meet with these people, and then I Googled them, and I was like, oh, that's an amazing coincidence. Wow, it's a little bit of kismet there. A little bit, yeah. Uh, I've read that the seed for the concept of Bellevue came to you, so the initial, initial you were just talking about yeah. it, the initial uh, concept came to you in a writing class, you were asked to update a fairy tale, is that right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, it was just like a one-off. It wasn't something that, you know, like a class that was... Like in the film center, We just you just do a, a, a huge array of different classes on the, on the film side. And um, just sort of as a writing exercise, uh, one of our mentors had asked us to adapt fairy tales because it was the time when, like, Grimm and everything was going on, so, you know, follow suit. And... Um, and this is going to sound nothing like Bellevue, but um, I c- was really drawn to Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> because it's, like, dark and creepy and weird, and there's, like, this, like, creepy man, and he takes your baby, or he threatens to take your baby. I don't remember Rumpelstiltskin. Is that what happens? I don't... Maybe. I, I don't know. <laughs> but I think... I mean, I, for what I remember, he, like, he, like, threatens to take your baby if you can't... You have to do a bunch of things for him, but then also you have to guess his name. And if you guess his name, so he doesn't take your baby. Yeah, and she, the, the the main character ends up outsmarting him. So uh, somehow, you know, sort of through the 
jigs and reels in many, many different sort of formations. That was like the seed seed of an idea. Oh, that's really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, you said that the development process for Bellevue uh, was a roller coaster ride. Can you talk a little bit about the process you and Adrian went through from, let's say, you know, green light to, mm -hmm. to, uh, yeah, from, I mean, from, I should say from, from pitching to green light. Yeah, because from green light, it was actually, I mean, I'm sure it was very hard. Like, it was very hard for everyone on the business side of things. But we, from green light, it was creatively, it was actually a really very smooth process because we had, um, really, really great support from CBC and they just kind of were really into letting the show be what that's it great. was yeah, when they ordered it. Which very is, uncommon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, they were yeah. amazing. Um and the development process they were they were also amazing, but they um they put us into development and it, I mean I think it was a roller coaster in a lot of ways. It just was a very demanding creative project from the very beginning. And I think Weirdly, I'm really realizing that as now as I work on other things, and I'm realizing that the, we really chose like a, the a very hard, a very challenging yeah like it was just so dense and it was so you know so serialized and so puzzly and it was puzzly from the first episode to the last episode but it was also puzzly within the episodes and it was just like a like constant brain teasers and brain fatigue throughout so but you know it also incredibly satisfying and um so we did a couple of scripts with cbc and then they you know it came time to um either green late or not and they decided they wanted to do more development so we did another script and we brought on um, morwin brebner right who we're crazy about um mm -hmm. she really is like like a gift from god um, we should say uh, Morin Bremner is a very esteemed Canadian screenwriter who's uh, done a lot of great work, but I, I think is probably most known for um, uh, collaborating on, um, oh, I can't believe I forgot, Rookie Blue. And Saving Hope as well, yeah. And Saving Hope. Yeah. And my, uh, she did do Rookie Blue as well, right? She did. She was a co-creator on, on both of them. Uh, and co -creator then she on both. ran yes. Saving Hope forever. So to back up, when did she come in? She came in... So she came in, so we... Um, they wanted to put us through another round of development. They had, you know, they had a lot of things they loved about the show, and then there was things that they wanted to strengthen, which, like, we were, like, mad, but they were totally right. <laughs> oh, so. God, yeah. That's... Yeah. Th like, isn't that amazing? Yeah, like, idiots, <laughs> idiots! Oh, it could work. Yeah. Because so. I was really insistent that she didn't have to be a good cop. <laughs> Okay, right. They would have a problem with that, yes. I was like, no, because she's not, like, she's not, like, good. She's just really ferocious and, and sort of driven and, and, and... But all, the, all those things are, do come through. But she is also, as but we'll now see, she's a good, a good cop. cop. <laughs> yeah. Right, I, I, I've been there. They fought I, that one for a little while, but yeah. It's funny the things you fight, and then you go, oh, yeah, they, they actually have a point about that. Yeah. Hey, speaking about your heroine, uh, uh, Annie Ryder... Mm -hmm. A perfect segue to my next question. Mm -hmm. You said, we didn't want to make, I love this quote, you, we didn't want to make a cop in high heels running around solving crimes. And I think that sums it up. Uh, there are many layers to Annie. At times she's fearless, at times she's almost crippled with fear. Uh, she's a strong moral compass, but then she also makes the worst mistakes. Uh, can you talk about how you and Adrian created this character with, with, with such uh, compelling contradictions? Yeah, I mean, I think... Um I think that the f the flaws and the 
like the battle between her sort of fearlessness and courageousness, which like it's like a weird I think that she's I think she's so courageous because she's so afraid of being afraid, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I, I think you'll see that in the pilot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that comes through. So some so it's so it's not grounded courage, which I think is why she does a lot of the things that she does. Like she'll run into buildings and, and things like that because it's like right. the, it's not grounded in sort of like she's real so thinking. So afraid of of I, I she I have to go do this because if I don't go do it, I'm I won't do it. Yeah, right. and then I'm not really anything. Right. Right. I think it's what she feels like she has going for her. I don't yeah. think she has a huge... Um, she places a lot of um, stakes on her sort of mental... I mean, she's very smart, but not everybody knows that stuff about themselves. And so I don't know that she always knows it. Um, and so I think those things are sort of always... I was very interested in exploring them. And then... I mean, I think... Um, uh, it, I think it becomes on a case-by-case -case basis, you know, with the situations that she's in. But I think... Um, working with Adrian is she always just wants to make everything weirder and more complicated <laughs> and something that you like a version of something that you've never seen before. Right. So, which is great. And again, like sometimes I'll fight it, and then she's always right in the end. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> they often are. <laughs> uh, Anna Paquin said that uh, I read an interview where she said she signed on after reading the first four scripts in part because she wanted to know how the story uh, happens. Right? She was like, I, I have to know how this. How right. this uh, happens, which is a good thing to remember, people, uh, when you write a script. Um, can you talk about how you and uh, Adrian came to cast Anna in this role? Yeah, I mean, she, yes, I think that that's, she, um, like, we, she was a no-brainer in terms of, like, should we send the scripts to Anna Paquin? <laughs> it's like, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people send scripts to Anna Paquin. Um, but that was really, you know, I was involved in that insofar as saying, like, of course, that would be amazing, but I didn't have a huge amount of, you know, surety. Um, and so then we sent them, and then she kind of just kept wanting to read more and more and more, as you say. And then Adrian met with her in Los Angeles, and she was, um, you know, she's like, she's incredibly smart and incredibly intuitive. And so I think, like, for her, it was like, I'm interested in this project, and then I'm interested in this lady who I met, who is Adrian. And uh, and so that was kind of really it for her creatively in terms of getting her involved. That's amazing. It must have made yeah. a big difference too, in terms of uh, financing and that sort of thing. Financing of and also like it just trickles down with the rest of your cast as well because who doesn't want to work with her? Exactly. Uh, speaking of your other cast, um, Newfoundland native Sean Doyle uh, is one of the stars. He plays conflicted cop Peter Welland, and you have an association with Sean going back to an indie film written and directed by your sister. Yeah. Adriana, titled Grown Up Movie Star. It's a great movie. Um, as you were working on Peter in the early scripts, I understand you you did see Sean in the role from the beginning. Is that correct? Yes, I did. We talk about this a lot, but I did. Because there was something always in, inherently in Peter, like he was always that that mix of like, he's older, but he's still very physical and charming and all those things and kind of rough and rugged and... and and I mean, a lot of people are like that, but I think I know I am. You, I could tell already. You, you. I'm glad I didn't meet I you first, or else I would have cast you. Um, <laughs> but I think like it is also like I think I'm I'm a Newfoundlander, so I think a lot of those traits. I I felt like right. Peter was the Newfoundlander, even though he's not a Newfoundlander in a lot of ways. Uh, right. So um, that's why I was very interested in Sean, and also because he's incredible. Um, and then. 
Is is it true that he did I read correctly that he was surprised when you approached him that he that you saw some of the original maybe I misread this but no. he that there was a when he read it, he went really you think this is who I am or something is that right kind of uh, he was it, it, yeah like I think <laughs> I think he was surprised that I saw the depth in Peter that he didn't yet see. Oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> right. Because it wasn't it wasn't really there, it, to be fair. Right. So I he, think what, yeah. You dig deeper into Peter yeah, as the show like, goes why, along. Why it's are you interested in me? Because I'm, oh, okay, I understand I'm a, yeah. like, he's like, you know, he wants to get into things and he has 800 million questions and he's very, right. so um, he came, we had our first read through of the scripts and he's like the nicest human. And, um, and he came up after, and he's like, we're so sweet. And he's like, I don't know what to do with this role. <laughs> really? And I was like, oh, my God. So I ran and told Adrian. And then, like, we just met with him. And it wasn't, it was just, it was all, like, you know, the, the first episode, really, he's very much, he just is the sort of, like, typical kind of, not typical, but, like, he's a chief. chief right, you think like, you know who he is, but then you discoveries yeah. that go along that he's not quite what she thought. Yeah, I think so. And I think there was a combination of some of that was going to come anyway and a lot of that came from Sean really kind of pushing that just to give him all that credit. Oh, fantastic. Um, well, I think we're we're just about ready to watch uh, the pilot. Um, I want to read to you a quote from you uh, <laughs> that I thought was a really good introduction. Now, I assume a bunch of people here have, have seen it already. Um, but uh, in any event, I thought this quote was very, very smart and uh, very interesting. So I'm going to read that, and then we're going to watch it. Um, you said, it's a complex human drama dressed up as a thrilling mystery. It's about loss, pain, rage, mistakes, and outsiders. And at its core, it's about love, desperate love, and the way that love can take us over, can drive us to our most extreme selves, and can blind us. It's also about how that love is the only thing worth being alive for. So, yeah. Well said. You should be a writer. Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's watch the pilot episode of Bellevue. Let's start off talking about uh, the location. Sure. Uh, that is in Quebec, as I understand. I yeah. forgot the name of the town. Is it Terrio? Uh, well, the the mountains specifically. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. Were in uh, a place called Thetford Mines. Oh, Thetford Mines. Okay. Yeah. So we um, we did. Uh, I can't. I can't remember how many. A blur now, but a few days up there, and then right. um, and the rest we did in and around Montreal, all like essentially like an hour outside of Mon Montreal, all over the place. Awesome, my hometown. Mm. Um, can you talk about making the pilot? Yeah. The experience of that, how it uh, must have been. I mean, this is your first uh, televised script. Yeah. This is your first thing. So mm -hmm. uh, talk talk about the, the making of the pilot. Sure, yeah. I mean, it was, it was um, we did uh, block shooting. So we did episodes one and two at the same time. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was like, I, I don't know. How, it's a blur. I mean, it's mm -hmm. pretty amazing. It was... Um, I mean, I think uh, we knew, you know, fairly quickly that we had um, a really dedicated, amazing sort of core group of actors. And I think once that happens, there's like such a huge relief because right. it's just about the people, right? So <laughs> It must have been great when you got those three actors together. We right? did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. And they, I mean, their relationship just was 
Um, we talk about this all the time, but um, I was there sort of throughout all of the filming and um, and I, I just was thinking about this when I was watching it and just kind of how, how uh, what a, an amazing experience it was to be there, not, I mean, just to be there, but also right. just because we ended up um, doing a lot of reworking of things and rewriting of things. Oh, did you? Just based on the the amazing forms of chemistry between particular actors oh. and things was, like that. So Was that after... Uh like rehearsals or while you were shooting? While we were shooting. Really? Yeah, yeah. And in fact, like a whole a whole relationship changed just based on wow. sort of what we were observing. And, you know, I, and I, you know, got to, you know, sit by Adrian and we would like chat. And we're like, oh my God, this is amazing. And it wasn't sort of necessarily how we had envisioned it. And I mean, which relationship? Can you say that without spoiling things? I, I, I mean, I, I think, uh, Probably, I think Annie, Annie and Peter is the relationship. Really? That I'm talking about. Yeah. So, how did that change from the way you originally conceived it to? Well, we always just always joke about it because there's the scene in the pilot where she comes into his office, and, and she just sits and down. She just kind of like sits down. Yeah, I love that like, moment. Yeah, it's over. like you get the sense she does that probably every day. Just <laughs> here I am. Yeah, and I think it really like I mean that was her. It wasn't. I mean, I, I think it was her. Um, and she just kind of like it really. Um, I think informed the way that they started to just kind of naturally play off each other really informed them, I think, about their relationship, but then also us as well, because they it, it was clear that it wasn't... And I mean, we never... I mean, casting Sean and Anna, their age difference is not that vast, so huge. that it's not going to be a um, this sort of surrogate father relationship right. that... It could have been if it was an older man, but it still is that sort of like maybe brother, older brother kind of relationship. And so I think that was sort of there, but it was also, there was something else. Like there was just like this kind of really like, like almost not platonic energy that we, that we right. sort of saw that was not, it's not, it's not like a. So you're saying it not exactly platonic? There's not exactly, but not as a relationship thing. It's just just kind of that energy that you have with certain people that you are right. sort of very close to, and maybe your relationship is not like it's not a line a line crossing relationship, but there's something there's like a sort muted of, yeah something there a muted something. There's a muted something. There's a line <laughs> I love from uh, the script for Silence of the Lambs mm -hmm. uh, that um, because I'm a strange person, I like to slip it in. Is my I, I like to slip the line in to careful to every <laughs> script I write. It's a funny little game I play, and oh, wow. I don't know why, but I uh, I think Science Lines was the first script I ever read, mm -hmm. and it, it's very good. And it describes, and I do, I am going somewhere with this, it describes <laughs> the, uh, in, in a sense, I think what you're talking about, the relationship between Jack Crawford and Clarice Starling, which Jack Crawford is older, uh -huh. and the line is uh, something like, between them, there is the muted tug of sexuality. I thought, oh wow, what a great line! And anyways, that's the line I, I slip into uh, the line into uh, almost all my scripts because I, I, it's just such a great line and it's so evocative. And I think that is what you're. Yeah, like about. I think yeah because I think it gives it's it's I like the line so oh, well, I'll look out for it. So I'll read your script. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah like it, it it's good because it allows for. There's, it's yeah, more there's complexity yeah. in terms of like people's relationships, and it's not just like do they love each other, or are they friends, or they, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's some there's right. some people that you have 
there's a thing that can happen, I think, when two people are working together, and I get that from from this show, and it is, especially as the series goes on. Um, and uh, one of my favorite relationships, I think, a lot of, for a lot of people, was Mulder and Scully from X Files, and yeah. and it truly is this. Uh, of course, it it went from. It did become romantic, but uh, I think especially in those earlier seasons, there was this. I read this line once called that said the muted tug of sexuality. There's this <laughs> this uh, uh, there's a feeling there, and I think you get right. that. But um, yeah. uh, let's talk. I, I want to talk about something important. Mm. Um, uh, what I think is so amazing about this series is a lot of things, but I, I just really love how you guys tackled a, a kind of a very you know a very serious topic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, with this transgender uh, teen, and uh, uh, where, where did that um, was that decision to tackle this topic um, part of the original concept, or where where did you and, and Adrian you know decide yeah. to tackle this? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't part of the original script that I wrote. Um, and oh, really, the the original the original pilot script you wrote for this. The original script that I gave to okay. Back Alley to read it did not. It was. It was. Um, oh my gosh! I can't even remember. I think it was like a young girl. Um, mm. But so, yes, I can talk about that. So, um, what was in the original script was the Sandy murder that had happened twenty in the years past, previous, right. and what um, what was also what was always there was that there was this sort of underlying um not talked about sort of muted but felt um responsibility of the town that in a way the town had sort of failed this kid right and so um building off that theme that was something that we wanted to explore um sort of in a also you know in a more present day scenario and in the present day of our script, which was that um, just this idea that um, you can be complicit to something mm. that is not, that without being sort of the, you know, person who does the act, but in your... The community. It, the community right. in your sort of day-to-day way, and then the sort of feeling that you create, and the, you know, if there's, you know, veiled intolerance or you know what you mm-hmm. what adults kind of pass down to children and and you know also in silence and so um that was a theme that we were really sort of um felt compelled to explore and so and you know and, and it's a small town you know so it's also like you know it's also an in interesting and, and difficult topic to explore being different in a small town, you know, just on a very simple level. So yeah. I think it's those two things that kind of came into play that to, um, to you know, give us this idea. And then so we had, the, you know, this was something that we did, myself and Adrian sort of did together. We came up with this together. And then, uh, and then it just, you know, it became part of it. And... Um, we worked a lot with Sadie, who is the actress who plays Jesse. That's right. Yeah, the the actress who plays uh, Jesse is yeah. actually transgender. Yes. In real yeah. Life. yeah. Yeah. And she was um, really amazing to work with. On a, I mean, we also worked with a consultant beforehand, but but when we brought Sadie on, she became a really big part of shaping um, the journey in a way that felt not just authentic, but um, you know what was interesting to her aside right. from seeing this character just as a victim but also seeing the, some of the other struggles that the character would have or some of the day-to-day 
right. things. So I think it was um, we kind of fleshed that out with it's her. A, it's, it seems to be a big, a big part of the series, and and I think um, the theme of transformation is one I really got uh, from that, and it, and uh, you know I find that very very interesting. Another theme you play with, I mean, there's some there's a lot of darkness. Uh, in the pilot, but as the series goes on, but there's also a lot of light mm -hmm. as well, um, which I thought was really, really interesting. Um, uh, but I was particularly struck by a line um, I think Maggie says in the next episode. She says, "Evil looks a lot like you and me." Um, was it? Uh, you know, is that is that a theme that interests you? Is that is that a thing you guys were, were were trying to? I mean, it seems like you've got this this you know this fight going on between. Darkness and light, is that, is that something you guys were thinking about or am I reading into it? No, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think, I yes. You know, if you're, if, if you're interested in the, for me, I feel like if you're interested in the dark, if you're interested in exploring the dark, there has to be like some kind of reason why, you know, it's because you want to understand it because maybe if you understand it, there's like some sort of antidote or something like that. Oh, interesting, right. So I think, you know, that's, you know, I think it's, it's there. Um, you know, sort of bubbling throughout, but and that, yeah, like I think that particularly, like that line is something that struck me as just on a really practical level of like, I don't know, having kids and and realizing mm -hmm. that like you're in a losing battle because you can't look at someone and see you know the the wrongdoing on their face, but they can look at you and they can know themselves. If that makes interesting. Sense. Yeah. Oh wow, that's pretty heavy. Um, do you do you have kids? Is that what you're? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, the first season of Bellevue is focused on on the one case, but the one case really ties back, as as you can see, even in the pilot, to something from Annie's life. Um, can we talk a bit about uh, the development of season two? Uh, and uh, I know you guys have been working on developing it, and uh, obviously you can't give anything away, but uh, but um, is it a similar type type of structure? You've got a um, a case that ties back to Annie's life. Yeah, I mean, we yes, we did um, sort of a chunk of of development on it, and um, and I think everything with Bellevue would always be very personal. I think that's it doesn't, I don't, I don't know how you do it any other way, um, and so we were were looking more at um, just messing her all up in the present, so um, less less like two timeline storylines because it's. So intense, no, right? Um, but but um, sort of, you know, like because of you know, it's like a small town, and we just we don't want to think that like several murders happen in a small town all the time. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, maybe they horribly do. Um, but depends um, on the town, I suppose. Yeah, but but so so um, what we're interested in is something sort of coming out of the unrest. Of what happened in the first season. Oh, very very interesting. And and what is uh, what is the status of, of of season two? Where where are we at? With it's it? it's creatively thought. <laughs> creatively thought, fantastic. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit. Uh, this is writers talking TV. So uh, now you wrote the first four episodes. I think if I have that right, co-wrote uh, episode five with Thomas Pound, mm -hmm. very talented writer. Mm -hmm. Episode six was written by Winnie Storms, who I know and love. Oh, me too. Uh, she's wonderful. Uh, episode seven, written by Moran Bremner, who we spoke about, and you wrote the final episode. Can you talk a little about the other writers and, and yeah. what they brought to the series? Yeah, I, 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 Morwen is like got her name on one script, but really, like she was just story editing and giving just notes involved and throughout. Yeah, like I mean, really, she should 
have all the credits in the world. So. <laughs> but um, so she, like, you know, she just, she was with me a lot longer than the other writers. That's why I sort of, like, um, gravitate to her first. And um, she was just amazing at, um, I like to say, like, Adrian and I can make a big mess. And then Morwen comes in and, like, this goes here and this goes here. <laughs> That's incredibly helpful. And she's just also like, she doesn't, uh, she doesn't think with a, like a, a brain of like, this is what you have to do in TV, if that makes any sense. Like, because no, I, I, like, I'm a messy person and, and I think like my biggest fear is like that someone's going to be like, well, this is not how Come it's in and say, allowed you did to this go. Wrong. And, and, right. you know, so, and she just really is not that way at all. She's so open to just, so trying new things and not sort of fitting something into right. a box. Um, so it was amazing uh, to be able to trust her because right. she had those amazing skills and she was very smart. And um, Thomas and Juanita, we just always joke because they became like an old married couple very quickly into our room <laughs> with them. <laughs> they were just always like bickering and, and laughing with each other. So they were just like, you know, bright lights to have in the room and, and like idea machines. So oh, you really need them. that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and just not, like, I mean, it's hard. It's really hard to come into something very, that, you know, it's very specific, and it's, like, weird, and, and you, you know, like, maybe you came off something that was less weird, and so it's, like, you really need people who just are going to fire ideas at you and not get offended. Not and get just stuck. firing, yeah. and, you know, and it's amazing. So it's, like, you really have to have, I admire, um, the constitution of people like that who can just not get down and just keep keep giving keep, ideas keep and going with it because yeah, I yeah. you know we don't know what we want but to tell us <laughs> yeah well one thing I, I've certainly observed in in various rooms is that um, you can be that person in one room and and then fulfill a different role in another room right. Mm -hmm. um, so let's talk a little bit about the the writers' room. Like how it sounds like, um, if I understand correctly, um, Morwen was there for the longest period of time. But did you have a room for a while? Did you do a month, two months, three months? Yeah, or? we did um, three weeks. Three, three whole weeks. weeks. Wow, three whole <laughs> weeks. Yeah, yeah. It was very tight because we got ordered um, and then had a quick air date. So I, th I can't. Which is a good problem to have. Oh, it's, yeah, it's exactly. Like complain. But right. um, we knew, like, we didn't have a whole lot of time. Um, so that was, um, so we just knew we had the three weeks. And, and the nature of what it is, obviously, you have to know so much of what happens at the end in order to be able to write four scripts, which we had written by the time they ordered it. So that was, like, a huge blessing. Um, and then, you know, we, we mostly just worked breaking the last four over those three weeks. And then everyone just like spread off and wrote simultaneously. It was like, like spreading Bellevue right. into the world. Um, and obviously, you know, I don't think you could do that in situations where you had to write more scripts, but it was really, like it was a messy, but the only way to do it because it's so, it's like, it's such a, it's such serialized that if you pull out one tiny thing in one episode, there's just follow back Jenga. and forth all the way. So, so it was just this like thing of like you do one thing and then you fix everything and then you fix everything. And so there's a lot. Of, it, you know, it kind of gets a bit tedious after a while. But that was um, that was sort of my myself and Mormon stayed on after and sort of did a lot of make that sure work. it all it all went together. Yeah. How did you feel when you read other people writing your characters whose Oh, characters so were a scared. part of you. Uh, yeah, I was terrified. Right, you were terrified, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's really like it's like I imagine how they felt. I know, (laughs) I'm sure they did because it's like it's weird. Um, it's it's like a weird show, and it's also like I feel like uh, not that this is like rocket science, but probably if you are coming onto a show that's already aired, like you you have a better sense of the voice of the characters. But like something like that, it's so new and it's hard. Um. And you know, like, but it was, it's okay. Like the easiest thing in the world, I think, is to put something into a voice. The hardest thing is like to build a whole structured script. And so it's like exponentially easier to come on after someone else has like made this huge thing mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, like it was, it was like hard and, but you know, like, like I, it's hard to read my own, it's, all, it's just all hard. For sure. <laughs> Do you feel... It's kind of nice, though, when you read someone else's script and they have... Because doesn't it also feel like, oh, this is real now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's... it's, I mean, I even found that, like, when we had, like, a meeting about Bellevue early on, it's like, oh, my God, someone else is talking about this thing. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, right? Because it can uh, feel like it's just this thing out in the air, right? That's... You feel like a bit of a huckster, I think, or a bit of, at least I do. Anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. Right, until it actually becomes a real thing, and then you go, oh, yes, this is Bellevue. Yeah, and, Look like, people are, like, using the names of these people that have only been, like, my own right. people. Um, so there's that, and also I found that with, um, like, when we started to watch auditions, it's like, like people were then on my computer saying the words, and that was very weird. So, I mean, it took, like, it was just, it's like a weird thing. It's like, that's not how you do it. (laughs) (laughs) Right, you idiot. (laughs) You idiot. (laughs) But, you know, I was a terrible actor, so I'm not, I'm I'm allowed to say that. (laughs) (laughs) So this is your first go-around as a co-showrunner. If you put yourself in a time machine uh, and go back to the start of Bellevue, what, what do you say to yourself? Oh, my God. Um, uh, like, I guess maybe the, like the dumb but true thing is like, just maybe enjoy it a bit more and mm-hmm. don't spend all your time like with the stomach anxiety. <laughs> right. And do you think that next time you'll have the stomach anxiety? Or? Yes. I mean, I will. I, Yes. Right. For sure. But, uh, like, I think, and I think I will dwell on it as much as I so you would. Time. So you wouldn't dwell as much? No, I would. Oh, you would dwell yeah. as much. So you basically do it exactly <laughs> I would do it, do it the yes. Same. I wouldn't want to do it the same. But, but I would. would. But I would, knowing myself, probably do it the same. And I would, I would also say, like, maybe, like, pull out, like, one thread per episode. <laughs> really? <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. Um, do you have any advice to share with, uh, we're going to turn over to questions, uh, I think pretty soon. And, uh, uh, so I see some people here who, who maybe are interested in, in the industry, maybe even interested in becoming a, a screenwriter one day. So what, what would you, what would be your advice for them? Um, God, uh, I don't know what works, like, I mean, uh, I don't know. Like, I guess for me, I guess I could only really talk about, you know, yeah. like what was really valuable for me. Um, and I think that was like a number of different things, but just like sort of 
like sometimes by accident and sometimes just by choice, like surrounding myself with with amazing people who really sort of um, like I just really I I did have like really amazing sort of mentors through so pretty much through every stage of my writing process. Like so much so that like I forget the the earlier ones now. Right. <laughs> but like I started writing in theater and I just like latched onto Sherry White, who's a who was a, right. a friend from Newfoundland, and then like and then like I started to write in film and I like clamped onto my sister and I learned everything from her and then I did the same with Adrian and Morwen when I when I worked in TV and so I think um, I think it's like it's like people like being able to sort of clamp onto smart, generous, like-minded writers who have have been, you know, at that at your stage is, was really um the only reason why I was able to do any of the things that I did. And um and also like people who are sort of um equally like anxious and obsessive, I think I would say. Mm. Because I can't turn that off. So I, I will, I will, like, I need people and I need people to talk to me and help me and, and all these things. And so uh, maybe, maybe that's like a writer thing. Maybe uh, we're all like that. So, so maybe so. it's okay. <laughs> maybe you don't have to like search out the specific people, but. Um, so find a mentor and find a mentor who is tolerant, who is either tolerant of um, neuroses mm. or is very neurotic themselves. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That would be. <laughs> That's pretty good advice. And just and so, have you had anyone come? You, now you are, as you see, co-creator, co-showrunner of a show mm-hmm. on CBC. So you're going to have people come, and ask you for advice. And now you're yeah. now you. I know, and you just saw like the, how like stressed I got when you asked me. For the mentee <laughs> becomes the men. The manatee becomes the mentor. Yes, I think. I mean, the I would mentee. love that. I mean, I still. I don't know if you ever believe that you're at. I think I'm still like a a mentee, and I maybe I think I'll always think I'm a mentee. Maybe you just always think that. I don't know. I oh, always I think know. that I'm at the like. I don't know, I have anything that anyone would want to listen to, but that's and again yet, probably the anxiety. Listening. And yet here we are listening. <laughs> yeah, I read yeah. A, an interesting quote from uh, uh, Bruce Springsteen, mm-hmm. who said um, that they asked him. He was asked, "What? Why did you become?" Um, you know, creative or whatever. And he said, he said, every artist, uh, when they were young, someone told them they were a genius and someone else told them they were a fucking idiot and they believe both. And I thought that was, um, I'm still waiting for the genius part. That part hasn't happened yet. But I do think that's, that's part of the, we were talking a little bit earlier about, about writers and and how, um, on the continuum of writers. And it's my theory anyways, that, uh, TV writers are, are actually, on the continuum of writers and, and going all the way to like Morlocks, like people who really like uh, some writers are very, 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 very antisocial. Mm-hmm. I believe TV writers are actually on the most social side of it because we do have to collaborate so much and work with so many people, whether it's writers in a room or, or uh, directors, producers and actors, whereas really a lot of writers don't. Um, if you're, you're writing fiction, you're generally, it's just, yeah, it's you and alone in your dungeon. Yeah. Which I, I would, find I think cha- very challenging. I I did, yeah, I think I I think I would do it. I think I would choose I could just be alone all the time, but it it's bad for me. So, yes. <laughs> I could choose it. It's a bit like but Annie it is bad for you me. were talking about, right? Mm-hmm. That Annie is constantly jumping in. 
because she knows it's the right thing to do. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily that she she wants to do it. She has to do it because yeah. she knows it's the right thing to do. And I think that comes through uh, with the character. Um, well, uh, so concludes the self-help uh, portion <laughs> of the evening. Um, I, I think it would be really great to hear from uh, from people in the audience. So any any questions you have, let's uh, let's uh, please open the floor. Um, from the time that you actually pitched the show to you were filming the pilot, how long was that? Uh, I'm going to say two years. I think it was about, two, or well, pitched to CBC. Yeah, yes. I think it was, it was two full years. Yeah. Which is, I don't know if that's long. I mean, uh, I think I, it's... I, don't, I think it's fairly normal. Yeah. yeah. I mean, sometimes it goes quicker. Sometimes it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was time. that. But I mean, and it, I mean, the hard thing about that is, like, there's no guarantee that they're going to order the show. So you put two years in, and then you end up with the show, or you don't. We were incredibly, incredibly lucky. Um. Uh, but uh, this is something that I talked to with with Mormon about a lot. Is that I think she had um, an experience where she had a show, and then it got ordered quite quickly. And she was always kind of lamenting that she didn't have this huge amount of time to sort of dwell with these people and sort of figure out everything that, you know, that we were forced to figure out because they didn't order it quickly. So it's kind of a blessing in disguise. Excellent. Hi there. Um, So, yeah, you were saying that you two years ago, uh, pitched to CBC, but the initial pitch that you had, like, did you do that at the CFC? Was, like, it within a relationship that you made there? Did you do an elevator pitch? Like, how was, because as you mentioned, it's a unique and strange idea, and I'm just wondering how you did your, like, how did you get that first person on board? Um, well, I, I mean, I, d- I went to um, the film program at the CFC, so I didn't really spend a lot of, I didn't actually spend any time uh, on this at the film center, and the TV is so different. It's like essentially a story room, I think, the TV part. But um, I, I, the, I, I guess the f- first people I got, well, first the first person I got on board was my agent, Alina Levina, who's here somewhere. Um, and she was actually the first person who was really kind of, um, like thought it was a cool idea. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And it was just like, like four lines on a page. And I was like, oh, someone likes something. So, um, I, that's, that was the first sort of, it was like just a confidence thing, I think, then to like put some time into it. And, um, and then when I was going to back alley to pitch feature ideas, um, I just sort of, uh, like, in, as an afterthought, I was like, oh, I love Durham County. And and, and Adrian wasn't there, but Janice Lundeman said that, you know, people were always wondering when they were going to do their next Durham County. And so I was like, oh, I have one, one more little idea. And so I just kind of, like, spewed out something, um, which is not usually my, my style. I don't like to, like, riff. I like to, like, know <laughs> what is going on. Um, so um, that was the first... That was the first people we got on board was the the production company and um, and then you know it just did it took a I think it took a while actually because they were quite busy before we went to CBC but that was um, 
we all went together after that. How long was it between um, Back Alley coming on till you took the pitch into CBC? I think it was a year. A year? Wow. Yeah, but not because... But well, you're busy, you're doing other things. I wasn't. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I was really not busy at that time. But I had a kid. I did have a kid. Um, but um, they were busy. They were shooting a series. Absolutely right. So it took it took them. They were like they were busy on that, and so I was like, I can't remember what I was doing. It's like wait waiting for notes. I don't know. Just like sitting outside yes. the office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we had another question. Hi. Ooh. Hi. It's hot. Um, I'm just wondering how you found the the your co-writers how you if you knew them from you know if if adrian knew them or mm -hmm. if they how you found them i mean like i'm obviously i'm here because i also want to be a screenwriter right but you know i guess to this point when i'm like sitting in front of my computer like googling like make get me a job please <laughs> i, I <laughs> you do know? that too like it hasn't how, worked do, yet. how do i find how do how would you suggest that yeah. you find a job like in a writer's room. I'm not like going to say that I want that anyone will produce one of my shows, but like yeah. any advice for becoming a writer in a writer's room? Yeah, I mean, our specific like it's it's so much is um our specific room was uh you know, we found Morwen based on recommendations and based on the fact that um I knew of her from theater and I was really interested in working with someone who came out of theater because um, that's what I came out of, and I thought it would be an interesting sort of, um, like, uh, you know, ability to think sort of differently. Not that, uh, not that, like, I think TV writers, but just out of the TV. box. Yeah, yeah like, I think a lot of theater writers have become good TV writers. Oh, ab yeah, absolutely, and I, and I think, you know, you, but I think for our specific, it's not that, it's just it's a weird show, and, like, weird people do theater. <laughs> So so there's that and um and then um yeah just like we read samples for the other two that you know it just came from like a call to to agents I think and and sort of recommendations did through the network friends. make recommendations at all They did they did especially for the sort of Morwin role so like a senior writer um and then um it's uh, yeah like it's so much about again like the like i guess it's like the mentor thing like so much of it is about you know somebody mentioning your name in a conversation you know so that like you know if you find somebody who like starts to really believe in your work it's not just that they'll help you obviously make better work but uh, they you know it's such a small community that they're all everybody's always talking to each other and, and and as much as it feels like um it's hard to get jobs i think it also feels like sometimes it's hard to find the right people and so i think people when they're staffing rooms are really interested in finding out about new people and so um and also like if you come into it you know from a, a coordinator position because we also have an amazing amazing writer that we worked with named natalie who's right there um who who came to us um from a coordinator position and obviously that's like such a great way to to sort of grow in the room as well yeah a lot of people start that way i i did yeah and uh quite quite a number of people so the uh script coordinator or story department coordinator uh, is a position they're they're tough to come by because so many writers want it, and you do have to balance being a good writer with a actual organizational ability. 
and uh, yeah. some are great at it, and some are balls. Yeah, but it's it's a great way to break in, and uh, yeah, I didn't mean to. No, no, that's there, yeah, no, exactly, I'm, and I'm and yeah, about. and I think a lot of that comes from, um, at, like you know, having an agent is really like an amazing thing as well. So if you can get you if you have scripts and you can get them to agencies, you know, there obviously that's like a pretty like typical road, but but a, yeah, but a but it, well trod road, true, and and yeah. I think you know as as you said too, I like what you're saying about finding a mentor, finding someone who can um, advocate for you. And bring your name up at, at a certain meeting, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah. and the, like, as you said, there is no there is no set way, and there there is quite a lot of uh, people coming in from other disciplines as well. I think particularly theater. Mm-hmm. Um, I see a playwright right here, Nicholas, who's a colleague of ours. He's a really great playwright. I He's know. He's a great Nicholas. playwright who has transitioned to uh, TV writing. It's all about you, Nicholas. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there's there's uh, and uh, the Writers Guild website has. You know, of course, has some information, and there's uh, groups you can join to you, you might already know about. Uh, there's one on Facebook run by Karen Walton called, uh, sure, you know all about it. Uh, and it's it's a really good resource. You see, there you go, in Canada. Thanks, More Sean. questions. Oh. So I have a question here from Sean Doyle. <laughs> ah. I have a question here from Sean Doyle. Where is he? I thought he was coming. I don't know where he is. Yeah. He came over the internet. Yeah, he came <laughs> over the internet. He says, if taking questions, please ask for me. Who is cooler, me or Anna Paquin? <laughs> uh, yeah, I am going to tag them both in the answer. Okay. Um, I'm going to say, uh, well, I, I have to say Anna. Anna is cooler because Anna's like the funniest mean person I've ever met in the kindest way. <laughs> she's so she's like if I'm nice to you, it probably means I don't like you a whole lot. But if I'm mean to you, it means I love you. It's a sign. Of and affection. she's like she's also incredibly smart. And Sean is like like lovely. So is that offensive if I say I think he's kind of cool, but I think he's really lovely. A, de- a very clear. Don't say I, I said she was mean, though, because I mean like she's like lovely, but funny mean. She's like teasy. Yes, he like he brought me electrolytes one day. <laughs> he like had his driver like go all over town on a Sunday to find electrolytes for me. Like this, st- is that the stuff in Gatorade? Yeah, but like, like he's like a health kind of freak, oh, so he has okay. to do it like a different way, right. and he always wants to talk about sprouts and things. Oh yes, <laughs> things like that. Does he have a meal delivery service? No, he, I think he likes to do it himself, but he's like oh, really into like him. sprouts and beets and push-ups and stuff him. like that. Good for him. <laughs> he's an actor. He's a good one. More questions. So you uh, you mentioned that you had written the first four episodes, and then you have brought in writers to the writing room to write the f- the remainder of the episodes. Mm-hmm. How many of the plot points for those uh, last four episodes were kind of mapped out, 
for the writers to write to or how much of it was just really open-ended? Well, we had, like, before they came in, we really knew where we were going. We knew where we were working towards because it just felt impossible not to know that because it's so serialized. Um, So that, but, I mean, how how we were going to get there and in what order and sort of, like... Um, like I think the major things I'm gonna I don't want to spoil anything but like I think the major things are were figured out like you know who did what and what other people's terrible secrets were but um, then you know we brought people in and it's just always so much better to have more brains and everybody makes everything so much better so I mean we really you know we start with like a, this loose blueprint and then we kind of just changed it all up um, but we did that in the room together. So we just, you know, we spent three weeks sort of mapping it all out. And we, I think we did pretty fine breaking, like meaning we essentially had all the scenes that we, you know, that we thought we wanted broken for each episode. And then, um, everyone kind of went away to write and then we changed it all again. (laughs) How much did you change it all? Were you changing right up to the... Oh, yeah, yeah. We were, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we were. I mean, it, like, the ending was actually, like, a big thing that I'll talk vaguely about that we, like, we really, like, it was actually, like, our one thing that we didn't totally see eye to eye with the network on. And, again, I think they were kind of right. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? <laughs> it is terrible because I really, like, I really didn't believe at that time. But then, and it's not even creatively, it's like, how do I say this? Like, I think creatively maybe we wanted to do something slightly different that I think is is maybe more interesting as creators and writers. Um, and then when I started to see people react to and watch the show, I was relieved we went this other way. Right. So that's vague, but... <laughs> but understood. I think we all understand. There's the phrase writer's darlings, right? People mm-hmm. talk about that. And uh, it's it's funny how... I mean, sometimes, of course, you, you have to listen to your gut. Um, you know, your gut's usually right, but it, it is funny how that how that can happen. Yeah, yeah, and I think it was it was coming from a... Their, their perspective was coming from a place of having aired tons of shows and sort of seen sort of understood maybe they understood a little bit where I was in terms of you know I was like in it and I wanted right. to explore it and <laughs> right. and they're like well that's not kind of the promise that you made at the beginning so right let's all watch episode 8 and <laughs> tweet tonight uh, who was right yeah. any other um, any other questions Um, I have a question. Well, of course I do. That's why I have this microphone. (laughs) Um, When you said you were not originally sure if the series was going to get picked up, but you went ahead and wrote four episodes, did you write those four episodes prior to getting picked up or afterwards? Uh, We wrote the first four in um, a development. Well, the first, we wrote a pilot. I wrote a pilot before anyone wanted anything. So... um, which I guess is not always the way, but it seems to be more so the you way. Wrote a, you mm-hmm. wrote a, like a spec pilot. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
And I think I would always do that because I don't think I can explain anything until I write it. I don't know. It's I tough to pitch something because yeah. people, right, they, they tend to, everyone does it. We all do it, I think. When you hear a pitch, you, I think, naturally go, where have I heard this before? Oh, I've heard that part before. I've heard this part before. And they reduce it. And, yeah, it can be quite yeah, challenging. Yeah, and, and right? you want to say, like, you want to say, like, it's going to be like this thing you saw, but so much better and so, different. <laughs> and, like, nobody believes you. So, and not that that's what we did, but that's what I think you probably feel while you're pitching. Yeah. Um, you, you, like, you definitely feel like it's not what anybody has ever seen. Um, so we wrote that and um, we brought that. That's what CBC ordered um, development based on was a pilot and some pages. We wrote some pages about where the series was going to go. And then they ordered two more scripts. Oh, okay. So then, okay. and then they ended up ordering another one. So they, I mean, so it was based on like, you know, an understanding that they were interested, but based on no guarantee that they were going to make it. Okay. And then my second question, third, actually, I'm sorry. Uh, what made you block shoot? Is that based on budget or yeah. it just made... Okay, thank you. <laughs> so everything is based on budget. Absolutely, yeah. There's a lot of efficiencies with, with block shooting because then you can you know, double up on locations and things like that, of course. Yeah, yeah, for so sure. It does, uh, and we had like a crazy amount of locations, obviously. Like for yeah. our budget, I think. It's, so. very, it's very, very expensive. That's what everyone kept telling me in the locations department. Oh, I, I would think so, yeah, yeah, like, based this on... It's not, okay. And were you, were you outside? I've never... I don't know much about shooting in Montreal, but were you outside a zone? Did they have that sort of thing? They do. There's like a different thing. That, it's like the opposite there. So um, it's... You need to be a certain distance close to the city. Right. Because of like crew travel time, right? Whereas right. in here, it's like you get, like if you're outside the city, it's a bit because of that's where your tax credits are. Am I oh totally yeah, that's talking? oh yeah yeah. Well, I'm not uh, a huge expert either, but there are tax credits for, let's say Hamilton will have a tax mm -hmm. credit, but uh, when you're shooting in in Toronto and and it sounds like Montreal too, uh, it the, you're you're much better to stay within the city because. Uh, I mean, it's only fair. People are going to have to drive very far away. So the point is, it becomes very, very expensive. Yeah, I think we had to be for like forty-five minutes or something, right? Something like that. So yeah, it is. Uh, it can be quite, uh, quite challenging. Yeah. Um, yeah. No more questions. Hi. Hi. <laughs> can you just talk a bit about the pitching process? Did you always know you only wanted to go to CBC, or were you contemplating other networks? Um, as well as how did you prepare for your pitch? Okay. Um, I know Natalie, that's why I'm making eyes at her. Um, <laughs> yes, so uh, no, we went everywhere. We pitched to all four places. Um, and um, it was, uh, t to be honest with you, CBC was like an afterthought of like, why would we go to CBC? They're totally not this type of show is not their show. Not that they don't do other great things. Um, is it the controversial subject matter? Yes. The tone, that sort the, of thing? All that. Like the tone, controversial, very serialized, dark, all like pushing, you know, the the sex and the swearing and the... So, I mean, not that there's a lot of sex, but there's a little bit. Um, so they were the last place that we went. And... Um, and it the, it was like we I think we we had some initial interest from Bell and then it, and then it didn't it was like 
it's like fell in the gap of like um, Bravo and TMN, I think in terms of like it's like cableness. Um, and so, but we didn't know that at first. And then I remember when we left the CBC pitch, Janice was like, we might have four offers. <laughs> and we didn't have four offers. <laughs> But we did, but CBC did come and say they were very interested, and and I think like um, we could feel like it's funny, like we could feel that in the pitch they were very engaged, they were asking a lot of questions, and we were giving the right answers, and you know how it's like it just happens by chance sometimes. Um, so it was a really sort of it was like a conversation in the instead of a full on pitch, um, and in terms of preparing for it, we. I mean, we, you know, I think we, we wrote up a couple of pages that we wanted to talk about in terms of, like, you know, the overall story and maybe what this felt like in terms of other series out there and, um, like, the themes and the tone. And then I, I talked about the pilot as well, sort of talked through the pilot. Um, and, then, and then we just kind of opened it up and chatted and, and, you know, it's obviously, like, you can kind of tell when people are into it and not into it at all. So I think that was it. And we practiced it a little bit. And I think like now sort of knowing myself in a pitch and sort of knowing, um, you know, it's just a bit more about it. I think I, I, I'm much, like I'm much more, I'm at more at ease, but I also would be, I'm much more into the idea of like writing something that is kind of like great and entertaining that you can memorize and pitch, which I was kind of really not, I was kind of against that for a while because I just felt like um, it didn't feel natural or spontaneous, but I think it feels like more and more that's maybe what people are sort Becoming of looking for. Becoming more the for. style, I yeah. think, here now, right? That's, yeah, like yeah. I think, I remember being at the the screen, Toronto Screenwriting Conference a couple of years ago and that sort of like what, I remember the like FX execs were up on stage and they were like we hear 800 pitches a day just be entertaining and be engaging and and like Maura Wally Beckett was talking about how she did like hers as like this whole one woman show and mm. so I think you know like obviously stuff happens there and it bleeds into Canada. It seems <laughs> we're, we're going more in that direction yeah, certainly in in Hollywood as you say it's uh, it's more of a show and you do get the sense that people are that you are pitch number 20 yeah. that day yeah um and but, one thing i yeah. found really interesting from that conversation as well was the the like it was like this constant but you know like the american people are always wanting to know why you specifically are the right person to tell this right. story some people make that up i'm I understand, sure right? they why do wouldn't you, right like uh, why am i the right person to yeah, tell like a robot exactly story? I a colleague of mine made up this story, um, and he sold it too. But he made up a story about it was oh it was about aliens or something, and and but he said it was really about em immigration. And my parents came through Ellis Island. His parents did not come through Ellis Island. They right. came to Montreal. Like, but it's but it's this thing I you have, have to do. I thought about that though. Why like, you? Why you? Well, yeah. because and I yeah I would certainly because encourage I'm good people. At oh yeah, exactly. Me. Because it's something I thought of in the shower, and it seems kind of cool. <laughs> And I have but, an imagination. And I have an imagination, and I'm going to work so hard. <laughs> but no, it's yeah. yes, why you? Why you? I want to hear you. What's yeah. you about it? And then you turn it in, and it's, here's a bunch of notes, why you stink, and why you... It, anyways, I sound bitter. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter at all. 
I bet people cry in those pitches, like when they start to talk about themselves. Like I feel like maybe you feel like you did a really good pitch if you're like you got emotional and you cried a little bit. Yeah, you cried when you pitched it. No, I mean I feel like in those pitches where you have to talk about like why it's so important. <gasps> oh in person, yeah, yeah. I note, not note, cry, cry <laughs> next time. Try really hard. Squeeze it out. Uh, more questions? Well, thank you. Thank Jane. you. That was amazing. Mm. And uh, on behalf of uh, uh, Writers Guild of Canada, thank you so much for, for doing this. And uh, um, this was uh, Writers Talking TV. I feel like I should have some sort of fanfare outro, but uh, but thank, thank you guys so much for coming down yeah. and uh, watching and listening. And, and uh, you know, obviously keep posted because there'll be more such events. And, uh, and uh, I, I'm just really hoping f and looking forward to uh, season two. Well, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> okay. Thanks Thank so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Writers Talking TV, presented by the Writers Guild of Canada. All of the Writers Talking TV podcasts can be found on the Writers Guild website, which is wgc.ca, and also available at iTunes. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share your feedback at iTunes or email writerstalkingtv at gmail.com. That's writerstalkingtv, all one word, at gmail.com. Many thanks to the crew at Tiff Bell Lightbox and to the podcast technical producer, the lovely and talented Philip Vukovic. And thanks to Jane Maggs for taking part in today's episode of Writers Talking TV. I'm James Hurst, and thanks for listening. <laughs>